Thank you so much. Once again, greetings from the other end of Tagra to you, from uh, my beautiful Susie and all the team. Uh, isn't it a great place to do ministry, the Central Coast? And uh, is it? Yeah, I think we just need to keep it a big secret. But I tell you what, it's a huge privilege to be here with you. And of course, what we've known uh, Phil and Julie probably not quite before the girls were here, but maybe a little while after that. And I tell you what, when you've got good people that are willing to lay down their lives for such a long term to make church exist in a community, you've got to take your hat off to them. Believe me, there are only few people still standing on the Central Coast when we all started in church. Um, I know we were talking the other day that the, the Central Coast is a funny sort of thing, but I tell you what, when you've got good people willing to stay in a community and do something, you've got something very unique and very special. And I hope you really support your pastors and are really here for them and their family in all that they have done and are going to do. Amen. I hope that you're really with them in this. I know, I know that this is, this is like the leadership. This is the core. And I'm really excited about talking to you because this, all you really need, I've learned this over church, is all you really need is the committed. If you've got the committed, that's what's actually going to build the church. And I really believe that that's who I'm speaking to tonight. And it's you guys that are going to make the difference in every aspect of this church. It's you setting the example, carrying the culture, bringing the heart of your pastors and representing that through every aspect. It's just exactly what we shared with Pastor Julie. Church starts in the car park. It starts there and it ends there. And someone can just have, something can go on, someone can arrive in with, like they say, all sorts of stuff going around them. But someone that has actually realizes that church starts there completely can change that person's whole Sunday and open up their life for the word of God. Because you're all ministers, you must realize that. And you all must know, must know, not hope, not think, know that you're here, you're called here. And so therefore God has a place for you to minister out of and to do something and grace you with something from this house in order to fulfill its mission. Amen? You're still checking me out, are you? still getting used to me. So that's all right. You'll, you'll get used to it. But I want to share a, a message that I've never preached this ever before. This is fresh for you guys. I believe it's actually a real word. I was so excited about when I Lord started showing me all this stuff that I'm going to preach this in my church. Um, so you guys to get to get the bare bones of it, but I don't think it will be that. I think it will unpack a lot more for you. Amen. So what you want to do before we even get started, this is my little tradition, okay? You get a little bit of encounter life. I want you to put your hand over your heart and say this prayer with me. Dear Father God, speak to my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm so envious of you guys. You've got your own building. How cool is that? And it's a fight to get it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And we'll get into some of that in a moment. But I take your, my hat off to you because you've done what very few churches have ever been able to do. Again, see, so you, you've got to really realize what you're doing. It might seem like you're here and it's not quite finished yet, but you own it and you're on your way there. And that's massive massive you've got no idea land is a very spiritual thing you ask the aboriginals it is a spiritual thing and whenever you take land someone is losing land and that's why it's such a fight to do it that's why you will lay down lots of stuff but believe me and we'll do we'll look at this again further on is that what you're doing right now is not for you but it's for the next generation and the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one how exciting is that you know, isn't it exciting when you go through the communities now and you see churches that were all over the community in the middle? You go even all the way up to Central Mangove and there's a little timber church there. But believe me, in the context, we think, well, that wouldn't have been much. But I tell you what, some little farmers got together, sacrificed, built, got it together in, in the context of them, laid a lot of stuff down in order to get land and a building there. It's all relative, I've found that. For each and every church, it's all, it's the same. The same battle that you're facing, the bigger churches and smaller churches have faced, but in the context, in the relativism of where we are in our communities. Can you see that? 
And my hat's off to you. Just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going to keep doing that. I believe that this won't be just the first building that you'll build. The first of many and families to come from this place and the lessons that you'll learn, the things that you'll pick up from your pastors in order to do this again. Learn the blood, sweat and tears of what this really takes in order to take the gospel to the community. Amen? So take that on board, you know. But here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and starting at verse 4. This is Paul speaking. He says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words or human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Amen. So this is what I want to see. See, the power that you have, the only power that we ever have is the power that we demonstrate. Is the power that we release. Otherwise, we're just like a battery that sits there on the shelf full of potential. And here, there's, it's full of potential. Who knows what sort of gifts. And for many of you, there is stuff that you haven't even really stepped into yet, mainly because you haven't come to the place and faith to demonstrate what God actually has for you and what is in this house to demonstrate. And in most things, you'll see that even when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to move in the miraculous, it was all about demonstrating it demonstrating the the kingdom of God and it is always demonstrated through power so all I want to share with you tonight is the different what I believe just 10 things of how we display power as a leader as a team and as a church in the community is that cool because it really is um, like Paul was sharing there he's sort of saying look it's not about just being persuasive words. It's really not like that. And it's just so awesome, this church, because you have such a heart of worship. And I can see why people would want to come here, because you have the presence of God. We have something that Rotary doesn't have, that Lions don't have. We've got girls, for one thing, and those things. We've got, we've got better than the Mingara and all those sort of things, better than all those community organizations we have the presence of god and the supernatural power of that again who can bring their needs and not have it prayed for about your mum and her cancer that's the demonstration of the power of god you must never ever walk away from that but i'm talking about how i think sometimes we miss the great things that god actually how he demonstrates in our daily life the power that only really can god can ever do in us because our behavior i want you to write this down our behavior always demonstrates what i believe how i behave demonstrates what i believe if you believe that church is important you'll be in there though who are those people that bring their kids on a sunday night put your hands up who was that who was being congratulation amen 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 to you because i tell you what that's what makes because you're showing your kids what's important Man, I've been doing ministry for like that, for leading churches for, I don't know, 20-something years, and you get people that have their kids and they come along, and if one's got this runny nose or there's soccer training or these nippers or something, they don't show up for a couple of weeks and it's in. And you know those sort of people? Yeah, you don't have... They must be in my church, not in this church probably. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get... And then, of course, very few people ever are willing to challenge their kids to come on a Sunday night, to get that twice a Sunday, get in there, get committed. And what happens, what happens, I can tell you, I can show you it over and over again. What happens is people then, when those kids then come become teenagers, when they start to get attitude, when they're starting to work out what they are starting, now they're starting to find out, what do I believe? Now these parents are now hit with the whole thing of, these kids don't want to go to church anymore. And of course, guess which service they're trying to encourage them to go to? The Sunday night where all the young people are. But they think, no, what do I want to go to that for? You don't ever want to go to that. They don't say it, but see, it's like that. People, as, believe me, as kids, they will, listen to what, they will listen to what you say, but they'll follow what you do. And what you, how you, you can easily, I can easily see how what a person believes by simply how they behave, what they do, how important church is. 
what they truly believe about God. It's always demonstrated, not in their prayer, not in their serving. Well, that's part of that, but, you know, all the religious stuff, not whether they raise their hands or not, it's their life. Believing is always demonstrated in behavior. And so it's like this. It's the Bible that I do is the Bible that I believe. That's the only Bible you believe is the Bible you do. You've got to understand that. You might know heaps of Bible. I'm not talking about that. It's the Bible that you do is the Bible that you believe. Isn't that funny? It's like the people, guess who gets the most amount of people healed? Is the people that pray for the people that are sick the most. It's true, you know. The people that go after that. The people that get financial breakthrough, guess what? Those are the people that actually apply the Bible, what it says, and they believe it, and they do it, and therefore they get the financial breakthrough. Have you noticed that? That's why those guys that are doing seminars and teaching people and pastors saying it over and over and over and demonstrating, if you'll, just, if you'll tithe, if you'll be committed, you'll get God's, God will open up the windows of heaven and he'll pour down so much blessing that you cannot contain. But what you have to do is believe it. And that means you do it. And then guess what happens? His blessing, his protection, his favor starts to go. But what we want to do is we want to see it first before I will do it. That's not faith. So it's the what? It's the Bible that I do is the Bible that I believe. Very, very important. So what I want to hear is see this. So it's all about, again, right? Power is the power that I demonstrate, which is all about what I believe. So the number one power I believe that we get to demonstrate on a daily basis is the power to give. In John chapter 10 and verse 17, it says, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life. I lay it down that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. Say, I have the power. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to give it. I have the power to give it. This command I received my Father. See, this is the number one. One of the biggest things that you can say that describes Jesus, Jesus is a giver. He is a giver. It's a fundamental thing of demonstrating the power of God in your life is being a giver. And giving of all that you are. See, Jesus gave, what did he give? He didn't give money. He gave you all, much more than that. He gave himself. He laid it down. He was willing to lay down. And us as his disciples, we need to learn how to be givers as a lifestyle to believe in giving. To not do it. He says, no one makes me do it. There's no have-tos in the kingdom of God. It's all get-tos. You get to lay down your life. You get down to lay down your old, selfish, sinful, broken life so that you can take up Jesus' resurrected life for you. Is that the gospel or not? Is that the gospel or not? Come on, talk to me. Come on, this is C3, isn't it? I thought you were going to be crazy. This, you, you, get to, you get to give your life for a greater purpose than your own. You get to lay down your life, and this is the whole thing. You, when we go to work, we sell, we prostitute ourselves every day to our boss. We sell ourselves, our time, our resource, because our time is the only thing we can't get back. Whatever you spent your time doing today was how you spent your life. And what we do is we exchange. We, I will lay down my life to drive a truck. I will lay down my life to operate IT stuff. I will lay down my life to lay bricks. I will lay down my life to whatever it is. I lay down my life and in exchange for that, I get money. And that money that I have, that's why people hang on to it. Because that represents my life. And that's why when we come to church and we give, and give into buildings, and give into ministry, we are laying down our life. You don't have to, but you get to. What? So that you can take it up again. The life that Jesus took up was different than the life that he, took, that he laid down. Is that true? It was a supernatural life that he took up. A supernatural life that he took up wasn't the same one. And we must realize that that's whenever we lay down our life for the kingdom, the life that we take up out of that is supernatural. And we need to learn that the most powerful thing we can do in our life is give is give. 
That's how Jesus demonstrated his great love for us, that he gave his only son, gave his own life. And sure, it was, and that's why sometimes giving affects us so much. That's why we war against it, because it is, I know of nothing else more spiritual. Do you think land spiritual? Money, to me, is one of the most spiritual things there is. Jesus described it like this, is that there are only, God, he only ever compared God against one other thing, and that was mammon, money. You will either serve one or the other. Isn't that funny? He didn't say fame, didn't say beauty, he didn't say recreation, he didn't say the arts, he didn't say anything else. He said money. Money. I believe there's, for me, this is what I believe. I believe you've got revival in church if you've got three things. Let anything be established by two or three witnesses. That's my doctrine, okay, on anything. Is this. You've got, if you've got a full house, you've got a full altar, and you've got full offering bags. How often have you gotten just two? We get two all the time. And it's one all, you know, it's never the same two. We'll have the smallest crowd, the biggest offering. And a significant portion of that crowd, God changed their life. Another time you have a full house, we've packed the gunnels. And you're thinking, oh, okay, and some people respond and people get ministered to. And you go, you find that you go into uh, work on Monday and you wonder what the offering's going to be. The worst one the whole year. What is going on? But I tell you what, isn't it? Because money is such a spiritual thing. The number one thing, the number one power that you have is the power to give. Give your time, give your resource, give your talent, and give your money. All of those things, all of those things need to be submitted to God. All of those things. Because if you learn to rule over those things and be a giver, giver of yourself wholeheartedly not holding back see jesus didn't have to die for us he chose to which is the gain okay so leads me on to and i'm so proud of myself and jai will tell you if mars has got numbers beside his points this is you're in revival right now i tell you you're you're actually experiencing a miracle number two was of course the power to choose deuteronomy 30 verse 19 it says i call heaven and earth as witnesses to against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Isn't that funny that God actually had to sort of point us in the right direction? That both you and your descendants may live. There's the power to give, but there's also the great power to choose. To choose to serve. To choose to have a good attitude. To choose to be loving. Choose to be committed. Let me tell you something. Do you, I don't know if you know about this, but freedom isn't the ability to do what you want. Anybody that gets the freedom, anybody that chooses to do what they want always ends up in bondage. Ask Charlie Sheen. Is that true? He got all the money to poke a stick at, all the drugs and girls that you wouldn't want to poke a stick at. <laughs> all that stuff going on. And what does he end up in? Bondage ends up in bondage people people that decide i'm going to do what they want always end up in bondage isn't that funny they don't get freedom they think they get it true freedom is this god gave us true freedom from the very start from the very start in the garden and it was the power to choose that has never left us you have the power to choose choose life or death you choose that you choose whether to enjoy church hate church you enjoy you you choose whether to believe or not believe your choice you believe, you, you get to choose to make this, you actually can, you know what, you can make this church the best church in the whole of Australia. Your choice. You choose whether you become the best servant, the best disciple in this house. Not out of pride, not out of arrogance, a choice. Out of choice. Your choice. That's how powerful that is. God puts no limit. He says on every and every T intersection, you get to choose life. Or death or cursing. Isn't that funny? But he goes, let me tell you something. Let me give you a hint. Choose life. That's how dumb we are. Because of our freedom and for our propensity to think that I know the right, what's good and evil, I think that, oh, I'll, I'll, I can do this without God. 
We cannot. We were never designed to do life without God, without life. We need to always choose the tree of life. And my, as leaders in this church, let me say, are you choosing life for people? Do you choose to bring life? Do you choose to be the, the person that is full of faith in your road? Do you choose to be the person that is the, the most loudest person, the biggest amener, the greatest enthusiast for your pastors? It's your choice. Or are you just an observer? That's a choice. You're making them even now. You're making a choice. Will I just listen to him or will I believe him? Will I choose life or will I choose death? So you can listen to even this sermon tonight or this message and you can either get life or death out of it. You'll get either, you'll, you'll be enthused or you'll be condemned. You'll see what you're doing wrong or what you're doing right. You'll be encouraged or you'll be discouraged. has nothing to do with me whatsoever because you have that power, not me. I'm having a great time up here. Number two is the power to choose. Number three, we're still sticking to the plan. That's really awesome. Okay, the, second, the third one, see, could be lost real quick, is the power to believe. Jesus said this to a man, of course, who Jesus was about to, and I love this scripture. I've meditated on it. It says, if you can believe, the St. Mark 9, verse 23, if you can believe all things are possible, to him who believes. Isn't that amazing? Now, how powerful is that? That's why I say, isn't that? So it's literally like, whatever I believe, I can have. Whatever I believe, I do. Whatever I believe, I choose. I have the power to believe. Your life right now is the absolutely direct result of what you believe. what you believe about what your parents have done to you, what you believe education has done to you, what you believe is happening about money, what you believe about your pasty, what you believe about my haircut, what you believe about Ray-Ban glasses. It's all going through. It all comes down to that is what you believe about that. And believe me, all those things, it is true, but, it's, it's, but let me just give you this point, this thought. Jesus says this, if you can believe. Then there's a comma, because it's like, okay... But the reality is this. The Message Bible says it this way. There are no ifs for believers. It's not, oh, I wonder if people are going to show up. I wonder if we're going to have a good service today. I wonder if people are going to get saved today. I wonder if... That's not a believer. The believer is, people are going to get saved today. This is going to be a great day in the house today. People are going to get healed today. Marriage is going to get stored today. The car park's going to have the most awesome people in there today. Amen? See, so and all that, isn't that amazing? Or because there's no ifs for believers. And believe me, there's no ifs for leaders. There's no ifs. It's all about we're going to do this. We're going to take this thing forward. We're going to lean into it. Isn't that powerful? So we get to give the power. I couldn't give that to you enough, the power to give. I think we lose that because sometimes in this whole, that's why Paul, you see what? Paul didn't come with smart preaching. All this stuff, you can do all of this. It has nothing to do with preaching. It has everything to do with power. Number five. Or no, number four. Uh In Luke chapter six, verse 37. Luke chapter 6 and verse 37. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. The fourth power that we have is to forgive. The power to forgive. And believe me, as a team in church, this is the lubricant. This is the thing that keeps the machine from overheating. It's forgiveness we all have a common goal but what always the friction in church I can tell you right now the friction in church is never about what is to be done it's never about that because you have the same you actually have the same vision as we do and that is to reach the central coast and make disciples for Jesus amen and we're all and there's hundreds of churches all doing the same thing 
But what is different, and this is what causes all the, the splits, the arguments, and the trouble, and the, is, is this. It's not what we do, it's the how we do it. And that's why you need to know the why. And believe me, it's very easy to forgive someone when you know the why they've done it. Why did you get angry with me? Why have you got this attitude? This is just by finding out the why behind that. Then you find out, oh, okay, forgive me. Because this is a two-way street. You know, funny when the Bible actually talks about forgiveness as always, when you look at what Jesus says, if you know someone's stinging over what you've done, go to them and humble yourself and you ask for the forgiveness. Because what you need to do is ask the why. Why are you upset? Why is there friction? Why are we avoiding one another? Especially in a team, especially building church, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to do the same thing and it very much comes in about because it's just done differently. It's just done differently in every church. You come to our church, done different, same, same goal, but different way we're doing it. Can you see that? And that's why different flavours, and you need to make this place the strongest flavour of see-through Tugra that you can. And the only way you're ever going to be able to do that and cause that connectiveness is forgiveness. Because all of you have issues. Oh, I know, it's a shock, isn't it? Well, forgive me for saying that. You know, and Joe will tell you this, I've been starting off every message, and I forgot to do it tonight, but I'll, I could slip it in now, since we're talking about this, is that I'm always saying this, and because I had a word once about this, and I've got a, it's probably a prophetic word for each and every one of you right now. I could give it to you. And it will equate to all of you, and it's true. And it's that I actually know what your problem is. I actually do know what your problem is. Why you've got brokenness. Why you can't get over stuff. Why your life won't go forward. Why you can't trust God. Why you can't trust leadership. And it's all, whatever issue, whatever the issue is, why you are stuck in something. And you know what your problem is? You just don't really realise how much Jesus loves you. Is that true or not? Now that disarms everything. When you think of that, now you think, you just sit there now, what's my issue? You know, you might have it on. But you've got to tell you what, you put Jesus, you know what, the only problem why you can't get over that is because you haven't realised how much Jesus loves you. Because the same measure... the same measure will be given to you. Grace. Believe me, the first person you have to give grace to is yourself. But that's not a license to get up everybody's face. I think Tozer said this. I don't know, I just know it's true. The most healthiest thing for the human soul is forgiveness. I can't remember who said it, I'll say it. That was from Murray Newman. It's the most healing thing for us all. It's the most healthiest thing. To be forgiven and to forgive. Who knows that's true? Any divorced people know that's true. Hey, Anybody been hurt by family members, is that true? Forgiveness is the most healthiest thing you can ever go through. Okay, number five, how are we doing? Only 16 more to go. Okay, here's the next one. Number five from Matthew 23, verse 11 is the, we've got the power to forgive, but next time, the next one is the power to serve. Matthew 23, 23, verse 11 says, but he who is the greatest among you shall be the servant. There's nothing more powerful than adding to another nothing more powerful is that a rat or what is that is that the kids it's the kids it's the kids (laughs) big rats here 
And of course, you know what, we all, we, it's, it, the whole thing is that Jesus, what it says in Ephesians, Jesus humbled himself what, and became in the likeness of a servant, even to a bond servant. Again, can you see this? Power to choose what I believe. See, do I believe this? Do I believe this? When I look at that and think, this is what Jesus says to me, that he who is to be the greatest among you shall be your servant. Let's just think about that for a moment. Do I believe that? Because, as I've told you before, you can find out whether you believe that or not, whether you do that. Because let me demonstrate that believing thing again. We all know that exercise is good for us. We all know that eating nuts and berries and roughage is good for us. But who does it? Amen. Amen. I prove my point. We actually don't believe it. See how stupid we are? We actually, we think that I can ignore the truth, I can ignore it, and it won't affect me. It will affect me. So if the Bible says things, this is interesting, I like what, one of my favorite writers, if you can ever re- get a good book, uh, is a guy called, um, I think it's, it's Willard. Dallas Willard. He's a professor of sociology at the University of LA in a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. And he says this. He says, it's not really, the whole question is not about what would Jesus do. That's not the question for us. The question, are we doing what Jesus has already said? Do we do what Jesus has already said? I think fundamentally why the church isn't going forward like we truly can see that it can in Acts. In Acts, they went forward without no New Testament and anything like that. They just had to simply try and figure out. The New Testament was really written because people were just responding to how to disciple people into Jesus. It was a direct response of trying to to create something that gave people a platform to move forward on because of tremendous growth. When you think on the, on the, the day of Pentecost... Or was it 120 in the upper room? Now that 120, that 120 had to then, within a few hours of getting spirit-filled, disciple 3,000 people. And all they had to go on was what Jesus had said. And they took over Jerusalem, simply because that's all they did. They didn't assume, what would Jesus do? Now, what does Jesus say about life, church, coming together? What does he say about that? He says, whenever you come together, it's like you should be always looking to serve, always looking to see what you can do for people, looking how you can add to one another. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. So whenever we come into a situation, we always come in, especially as a leader, especially as a leader, not, not for perks, not for positions, not for a seat, not for a car park, not for any of that stuff. It's only to serve. It's only to serve. It's only to make church a better place for others. You must never forget that as a leader. You must never forget that. It's not being able to tell people what to do. It's to facilitate the work and the life of God through a church. That's ministry. That's leadership. Is that cool? It's gone real quiet on the serving one. It's good, isn't it? You need to learn to be able to serve. You need to be able to do that. And it's amazing what happens when you do do that. What happens? It's funny. Hey, can I just give you a little testimony? Now, I'm busy on a Sunday mornings like your pastor are too. But one morning, isn't this funny? One morning, the Lord spoke to me about working in the car park, putting on a yellow vest and running around out with a big straw. We get our guys straw hats, occupational health and stuff and all that sort of thing so they're running around out there with it and I for the first time ever stole one of these things and running around not doing what I was supposed to do because I didn't know how to so causing all sorts of havoc parking people where they shouldn't have been parked letting people through that shouldn't have been allowed through you know but while I was doing that do you know what while I was doing that I met a man that gave me a check for $100,000 
Who wants to be in the car park on Sunday? Take a number. Want to come to my car park? It's true, it's true. It is a true testimony of what will happen if you'll serve. I reckon it was hilarious. I come come running in in tears. Are you serious? And he was. It was amazing. I thought, is this, I had to count the zeros. What? See, if you, the greatest among you shall be your servant. So if you want to see that, I just want to see, if you want to see the great things of God, get as low as you can. You look at Jesus. Jesus served, see, Jesus went after the hurt, the broken, the people that no one wanted to, and he served them. And he went after them. And that was what actually unlocked communities to him. Number six. Man, you think a lot, don't you? This is like the... the you can hear the gears whirring from here. Number six is the power to help. Luke 5 verse 7 says, So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so they began to sink. You know what? It's pretty amazing here. You know what? You've got to realize that you are in for something pretty amazing in God. I truly believe it. But the only way it can ever be brought in, of course, you all should know where this is from. This is, of course, when Jesus starts to call the disciples. Peter's caught nothing all day. And then all of a sudden, he needs help now because all of a sudden, God's breathed on the situation and he actually can't handle the blessing of God. And the only way of containing that is help. Help. People, often, when people need help in what they are doing. Ministry... Church leadership is always about help. In fact, if you look in Romans 12, when it lists the gifts, leadership in that context can also be talked about as help. To help people. To help people. That's what a leader is in the context of when Jesus talks about it about helping people so even when there is these people that all of a sudden have got the the blessing of god on their life a move of god in their life they need help they need help people are struggling with life need help to carry their burdens deal with their issues people need help and that is a it's the power to do that and all of you have a power to help someone it doesn't matter what you'll preach. It doesn't matter what you say. It's what you do demonstrates what you believe. And when you do, when you do what you believe, power is released. Power gets released. When you step into what God is doing, you believe in what God is doing, and you behave appropriately, power gets released. They bought in the biggest net-breaking, boat-sinking load that Peter had ever seen. It was miraculous. It scared the living daylights out of him. He started to repent straight away. In the, in the whole story, once they brought this in and he then fully saw what had happened, it not only touched him, but touched his partners who also became, became disciples of Jesus. Why? Because they helped. And I know this, when you help someone... You get in on their blessing. Number seven. How are we doing? Good? So never let me just back up a little bit. Let me let me really let you see this as a team doing church. Do you come to help? Or do you come to critique? Do you come to criticize? I preached a sermon when we first took over our church and uh, reworked a whole lot of things. And in Isaiah, I think it's 45, it says this. He says, your builders will come to you and your destroyers will flee from you. I think in the NIV it says, your wreckers will flee from you. And I challenged the church right there and then. I said, you're going to, have to, be, you're going to make a decision right here and now. Are you going to be a builder or a wrecker? 
And it literally was like they could have printed T-shirts. Are you a builder or a wrecker? Because in context, when people would start to talk about stuff and be negative, they'd be questioned. Are you building or wrecking here? Are you helping or are you hindering? And you need to be a helper in all aspects. And believe me, and I, I've taught this in Bible colleges, I believe, you know, you've, have you, you probably have rosters and all those sort of things here, do you? Musicians and different things. Let me tell you something. A roster is the bare minimum. It's not the maximum. It's the minimum. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Like I said, I've been in church for 47 years. For 47 years, I have never been on a roster. And I've been at every church service at every church that I've ever been in. And I have done every ministry that can be done in a church. From kids, to the car park, to the youth, to musicianing. Never got to sing. I got to lead praise and worship once, but only a couple of times. <laughs> Definitely didn't get on that roster. Because I learnt this. I, I could see that. I could see that. I, I watched people who would just come for the roster and just do the thing on the roster. Would watch. I sing, so I watch the chairs get put out. I'm not going to go any further. I think I hit, a, I hit a note. Don't worry, I watch that in my own church too. But I'm really pleased. But let me tell you something. I can tell you this, and I'm not saying, I'm just, I just want to, can I brag for a moment? That every one of my praise and worship leaders is a praise and worship leader because the only reason why they are allowed to do it is because without me telling them, without, I just would see them as a singer, help do other things. Powerful. It affected me. So much so that they're now in, if you like, the prima donna thing in our church. And everybody can't figure out, how do you get to do that position? I'm not going to tell you. You know, but you're not allowed in my church anymore. Except for Jai, you've got to, I'll cut your tongue out on the way home. You have to be able to help, not watch people sink under the load. Number seven is, this is great, eh? I can't wait to preach this. They'll either so hate this that they'll come here, but sucked in here has already got this. Okay, what is it? Number seven. The power to speak. Amen. And God said, isn't that funny, in Genesis, and God said over and over and over again. In Romans 10, verses 8 and 9, it says, what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is risen from the dead, you shall be saved. Now, how powerful is that? By a person lining up again what they believe with what they say, very powerful. The most, most, the most powerful thing, the most powerful member in your whole body is your tongue. James says that. A whole forest can be set on fire by a spark. A life can be ruined. What people say or don't say. It's one of those powerful things. You can destroy a person or heal a person with what you say. The most powerful thing that you have is the power to speak power to articulate and that's one of the most powerful things that represents our God our God is a speaking God our God speaks things into existence and when you start to confirm when you start to confess when you start to proclaim when you start to speak life when you start to speak healing when you start to prophesy all those elements and you look at the, the gifts the amount of those that are simply all about speaking the life that we can bring to people through what we say 
I think it's so powerful. You know, I just love the encouragers in our church. I love the exalters in the ministry. I love people that can actually speak life, but realize the power of their words. The power that you have when you speak to someone. The power that you have in the car park when you sincerely and authentically welcome people. When you sincerely take time and actually go past the surface and ask those sincere questions about how you're really going. Can I pray with you about that? How about we believe together? Those words are the most, some of the most, the most powerful things that person has heard all week. I know this, that if you compliment a person, especially as a part of the team, um, because you all have a profile. You might not think you do, but as soon as you become in part of the team, you actually hold a profile, and the people, their perception of you is that you are actually better than them. Whether you are or not, I don't know. Maybe you are, maybe you're worse. I don't know. But the thing is, their perception of this is this. You know what? Phil could preach this. And I know so Pastor Phil can get up and he can preach the best message he's ever preached, the best message that's ever been preached in all of Australia. Very possible. Probably will one day, if he hasn't already. But I can tell you this. Let me tell you something. Men, especially you fathers, at the end of that meeting, if you grab one of those young guys and you pull him aside and you look directly into his face, and if you'll say, you know what, mate, I've been watching you and you've been doing really good. I'm proud of you. Keep going. He'll go to bed that night not listening at all to what Phyllis said. He'll remember your words. One of the most powerful things we have is the ability to speak. Number eight. We're even on time. Bless Jesus. Number eight from Proverbs 14, verse 1. I can't believe how structured this is. This is pretty amazing, eh? Even Jai's going, he's thinking, man, what's going on? It must be because a special thing. I think this is actually for you guys. That's what I believe, because I'm never like this. Not at all. Yeah, thanks, eh, Jai? You're in the car park next week. (laughs) The power to create. See, anybody can wreck something. And I can't make iPads, but I can sort of smash one. I felt like it a few times. But, see, it's far more powerful to create. Far more powerful to create. It says, a wise woman, Proverbs 14, verse 1, you all know it. A wise woman builds a house, but the foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Now, we must realize something. I want to tell you something that I, I heard a long time ago, and it's so true when it comes to creating you know what? God never created chairs. He just dumps Adam in the middle of a forest in a garden and stuff, raw material all around him. The raw material of people, the raw material of a community. And yet he's given this amazing ability to create that one day a man saw sticks on the ground and thought, you know what, if you lash these things together and I get an, or I sit a log up on its end, you can sit on this and not have to sit in the mud. And the chair was invented. And on and on and on and on, we've done stuff with the raw material that God has given us. Can you see what I'm saying? God does not give... God. It's, it's when we actually think of it, see, and we're waiting for God to do creative miracles, when God has actually got the raw materials around us to do it. See, you, you're wanting better people in your team? You actually have the raw materials right in front of you. You have to bring it up out of them, that man of God, that woman of God, that musician, that singer, that facilitator, that Bible teacher, that preacher, that evangelist, that prophet. It's literally like raw material. They are a stone. 
God never made any statues. Have you noticed that? There's none of them. None of them. There's just rocks everywhere. But you put the rock, a piece of pure white marble, in the hands of someone like Michelangelo? And I don't know, I've never got to see it, but a, a good, close friend of mine was telling me that Michelangelo, and I've heard that they have demonstrators of some of the, the works that he was working on, and they're all through the city of Venice. And that he would actually, and one of them is a, a lion that he was carving before he died, and the lion is appearing. He didn't do the rough, he didn't chop them out roughly and gradually get it finer and finer. He actually would make the image appear so that, like the famous David, you know, the nude guy, would have just appeared. The face come out of that rock and then the awesome abs and all that stuff all come up out of that as a whole. He made that thing. He created a statue out of the raw material. Look at these instruments. All these things sit around until someone creative gets hold of them and creates an atmosphere. One of the most powerful things that God gives us. See, that's why he says, I don't come with you with just fancy words of preaching or arguments. I come with you with a demonstration of power. And all of you that are in the creative is power. Never, ever forget that all these things are powerful in their own right. The power to give, the power to choose, the power to believe, the power to forgive, the power to serve. Not just, it's not just giving and choosing and believing or forgiving or serving or helping. No, it's the power to them. Because you, as a disciple of Jesus, spirit-filled, speaking in tongues, raise the dead type Christian... Everything that you do is now infused with the life of the resurrected Jesus, the Holy Spirit, in behind everything that you do. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? That's why it's different when these guys play songs than the guys playing them at the pub. Isn't that, that's why it's so funny, because from our particular movement, and in your movement too, People try to get hold of the songs and play them in churches and they try to get the best musicians to do it. And it doesn't have the same thing. Because you've got to have someone that knows the power of creativity, the anointing, and what they really want to create. And of course, they've got to have a heart to serve. They've got to have a heart to give. Number nine. Was nine funny? Number nine is funny to someone. Okay, whatever. And of course, this is the all-time prevail of all prevails, I suppose, in 1 Samuel 17. Who knows what that is? Okay, David and Goliath. Need to do a bit of Bible teaching, Pastor. I do too. Anyway, we'll get into that. I'm trying to get my church to read their Bible. It's, it's a happy all, I tell you. Not about what Jesus, what would Jesus do. It's what has Jesus said. Scary, that statement, and I hate it too. But it's so true. In 1 Samuel 17, we're going to read about the power to prevail. And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him but there was no sword in the hand of David that's prevailing prevailing is like that uh, in my heart when I was working through this and prayerfully it was like I almost wanted to say the power to have victory but that's not really when I studied it and, and wrestled with this I really came up with that the, and I got prevail and I thought that's in the Bible somewhere isn't it Lord Prevail. It's not something that I use. I don't say I prevailed over the lawn today, Susie. With the mower, I prevailed. It wouldn't start that stinking thing, but I prevailed. It's not, I don't say that. Anybody here say that? Nah, it's not a wild word. And so, nah, it's not, is it? 
not a wrong word. So I prevailed. So David, it says he prevailed over the Philistine. Man, you've got to learn. I tell you what, this prevail thing got me going because I've seen no one prevail like Pastor Phil and Julie. Prevail. Wrestle this thing with only a rock and a sling against all sorts of stuff, all sorts of things, but to prevail, to prevail again, to never, ever, ever give up. To have conviction. Isn't that funny? You know that David had this amazing ability to just believe. And because he was able to believe, isn't it interesting when you look at this and this whole list down, can you see how they all link together? How one is part of another and you can't have one singularly sitting out there, well, I've got this power. And actually, to have one of those, I think you're going to have to have them all. They won't work singularly. But I think they all work actually towards this because so many people want power, power to just solve it, power to just overcome it, power to just do that. But David, it says this, he had to prevail, which is a whole different, it's like wrestle with him. He had to contend with him. He had to actually face Goliath with the taunts, the name-calling, and believe me, it was probably PG'd for the Bible so that it could be printed. He would have said all sorts of things, done all sorts of gestures at him. She would try to humiliate him as much as he could and then he was going to do the ultimate humiliation and kill him in front of all of his family and army and king. But David prevailed. He stood up to that big giant and he says, Man, I'm not only going to feed you to the birds of the air, but that army behind you as well drew the line in the sand. He goes, I am not backing down. You cannot, you can, you've got to understand, see there, that we, you know, not into going into it too spiritually, but I know your pastors are really experts at this, at spiritual warfare and praying. And it's so, you know, he's one of the few pastors that I know that actually has a prayer life. And you need to realize what that does. And I can see that why that you have a building like you do, where you have it, under the circumstances of which you have it. That is prevailing. That is never giving up. That is giving, encouraging people, having faith and prevailing. And you can get on board with that. In fact, you need to. Because so many people, so many people in the church today have this understanding that power is something that is just like this lightning fashion, everything is solved. But I see throughout the Bible of the pattern of power is about being able to demonstrate things over a long haul. That's power. Not a spark. Not a fleeting thing. Power. A powerful person is someone that what? Is always powerful. Not just has good luck. Not a fluke. But a power to prevail. Because why did he have a power? Why was he so strong? Was because what? He'd beaten lions. And he'd beaten bears. And I imagine that would even... Imagine he had to prevail against things all by himself. Not in front of any crowd, not in front of any audience. He had to prevail. He had to never, ever, 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 ever give in on what God had for him. You must never, ever, ever back down on what God has for this church. You mustn't back down over the the bullies and the giants and the things that say that they can have this, that say that they're going to bury you. You are going to prevail against them. You're going to stand against them. And you have, even, even with a rock and a sling, a rag and a stone was all David had. No sword in his hand. That's prevailing. See, this group here, in a shed, with water everywhere around you. In Wyong, if you'll prevail, the city is yours. Do you understand that? Man, you have driven a peg in the ground harder than anyone. Impossible to be pulled out. All it needs is for people to stand. That's what I know. I know that we'll always have the crowd, eh, Phil? 
You'll have the crowd Sunday morning, you'll have the crowd Sunday night. But what you need is the committed. You need, as the team, to be the committed. You're not going to stay. You need to literally go like with Matt. David had brothers that didn't stand with him. Imagine if they had. Number 10. Lucky last. I believe that the most, one of the most, I suppose these are 10, all these are great 10 things. The power to give, the power to choose, the power to believe, the power to forgive. That's so good, isn't it? The power to serve, the power to help, the power to speak, the power to create, the power to prevail. And this one sums them all up. The power to love. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Aren't you glad? How, this is a really cool sermon, hey? <laughs> I, should do, I should come here more often. We should just have a secret meeting, can we, every couple of months, and I could get really good messages and sell them. The power to love, and of course, and I love this. If I was ever, let me tell you something. If Murray Newman was ever going to write a book, the name of the book would be called this: "Just Love Them." Because you know what your problem is, don't you? Your problem is you just haven't realised how much Jesus loves you. If you're angry right now, if you're disappointed right now, if you're struggling right now, how much does Jesus love you? Does he love you right now? Does he care right now? What's the answer? Yes. And you have to admit that. Yes. Because that's my problem. I'm not letting Jesus love me. That's why I've got no faith. That's why I'm not serving. That's why I'm not giving. Because I haven't realised how much Jesus loves me. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 and 8. Love suffers long, is kind. Love does not envy, it does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth bears up under all things, serving. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It's creative. It endures all things. It prevails. And I love this last bit. Verse 8. Love never fails. The most powerful thing that we have, that we have, church, is love. Not our love but the love that we've allowed ourselves to be loved by. The most powerful, let me tell you something, the most powerful change agent in your life is the love of God. You'll change in the direct measure that you have allowed God to love you. Let me say it another way. You love you as much as you allow Jesus to love you. That's healthy self-esteem. So the areas that I wanna, I'm embarrassed about or I try to hide away, that's the area, see? That's the area that I haven't let Jesus love me in. Does Jesus love me when I sin? The answer is yes. He does. He has. And he will. And what is amazing when I realise that? You mean you loved me when I was doing that? When I was doing that? When I was thinking that? Mm, you love me. 
chain snaps. The thing has no hold on you anymore. And you're free. Can you see that? That's how powerful his love is. His love. And when we start to do that to people, they change. They change. They get free. And on the church goes. Amen. Well, that's me. I'm finished. That's enough. Amen. Pastor Phil.